friends, brothers and sisters in recovery, mental health champions, and welcome to 40,000 Steps Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Heimerman, and I'm not a licensed healthcare professional, not a doctor, not a counselor, not a world-renowned mixologist. No, I'm just a guy with 1,274 days of sobriety, and I'm a guy with the gumption to put his story out there. I do have a world-renowned mixologist on the podcast. His name is Derek Brown. He is the founder of Positive Damage Inc. He is the former owner of one of the most famous cocktail bars in the world. And after getting sober a couple of years ago, he's now a leading voice in creating non-alcoholic and low alcohol cocktails. Just in time for the holidays, I'm so grateful to have him on the podcast so he can share some recipes and so grateful that he shared his story. I'm looking out the window and it's a beautiful day for us to get our 40,000 steps in. So let's get it. I cannot begin to count the ways that I'm grateful for this conversation. This this conversation was <laughs> it was phenomenal. First off, what you're going to come away with is a number of incredible recipe ideas for non-alcoholic cocktails that you can make this holiday season. And if you're in the dating market like I've been, uh, <laughs> you're going to come away with a great, uh, easy cocktail idea for the next time that you cook for somebody. Those recipes and many more are in Derek's book, Mindful Mixology. Here, let me make sure I get the whole name here. Mindful Mixology, a comprehensive guide to no and low alcohol cocktails. You can get it on Amazon. You can also get it at Rizzoli. You know, I'm also really grateful to Derek for coming on and being open about his story. I had met him a few months ago at an event here in Milwaukee, a Mindful Mixology event. And he opened up a little bit about his mental health struggles, but I wasn't sure how forthcoming he was going to be about sort of the dirty details of what getting sober looked like for him. And he graciously shares what his bottom looked like. It's jarring. And then, of course, we juxtapose that against where he is now. And it's just so damn inspiring. And I, I, I find some commonalities with with Derek. We both love to learn. And we were both worried about losing our edge when we got sober. I was worried I wouldn't be as funny. I was worried I wouldn't be as creative. Uh, it, he was worried about the fact that he had really become a, a leader in the cocktail industry. He had learned so much and, and borderline mastered so much. Here's the kicker of it. And we don't necessarily wrap our brains around this until we we elect to get sober and we start doing the work is that he had this brand new frontier to conquer in creating incredibly delicious, satisfying, show-stopping non-alcoholic cocktails. And now he gets to do it with full capacity of his brain now that he's not, you know, knocking the snot out of it with alcohol. Same thing for me. All of a sudden, I can complete triathlons. All of a sudden, I can show up for my family. I can live my life fully. I'm so much happier. And 
I wager that I'm so much funnier and more clever now that I'm sober. Before I get into my conversation with Derek, I am going to take a moment and pump up a partner of mine. It's Bamboo Works. You know I'm an anxious person. Well, I'm really worried about my good friend, Mother Earth. And that's why I love Bamboo Works. Bamboo Works creates stylish, sustainably made, high-quality sports apparel. Headbands, wristbands, gaiters, beanies, even performance masks. The wristbands, they've got this pocket where you can put your ID or frozen gel packs. Bamboo Works does more than athletic apparel. You gotta check out their amazing trucker hat. It's got that rubber enclosure, so if you're like me and you like to flip the cap around, it's not gonna leave that annoying dent in your forehead. Bamboo Works sources its product materials in eco-friendly, sustainable manner. This goes beyond the apparel. They're focused on sustainability when it comes to production and their packaging. We're all trying to do our part to take care of the planet, but shouldn't we look good doing it? That's where Bamboo Works comes in. Visit BambooWorks.com, that's B-A-M-B-U-W-E-R-X.com to learn more, or head to 40,000steps.com to check out Bamboo Works' exclusive line of 40,000 Steps gear. Bamboo Works, skin-friendly, earth-safe, it's apparel for today's active lifestyle. Okay, gang, you got your notepad? You ready to take down some of these recipes? Or you could, you know, order Derek's book, as I've mentioned before. This is my conversation with who I now consider a dear, dear friend, Derek Brown. I feel like... It doesn't matter how many times I do podcasts or Zoom or whatever. I almost always forget to turn on the microphone. So I'm glad I did this time. I've been great. How about yourself? Terrific, man. Really good. I just got in a good run. I like to get in the right headspace before I do these things. And yeah, same. Like I, 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 I can't tell you the number of times that I've started one of these and realized I'm not wearing my headphones. Like I harp on everybody to bring yep. the damn headphones. <laughs> and then I'll, they'll arrive and be like, yeah. oh, wait, let me get the thing that I've been like badgering you about bringing to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the chance to meet you a few months ago at Waterford mm-hmm. in Milwaukee for that, that uh, mindful mixology event. And yeah, that's right. It was so amazing to see the place just packed with people. And I bought your book, Mindful Mixology. And here's where I'm going to here's where I'm going to level with you, because I'm all about transparency. Mm -hmm. I've read the intro. I've read everything leading up to it. I haven't read any recipes yet. Now, I just met somebody recently who I care about deeply. I'm going to be really cryptic about it. And she Mm -hmm. she opened up to me as well about the fact that she also has had her struggles with alcohol. I am so very excited to use that book together to learn how to make to make some cocktails. How cool is that? That's awesome. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think, you know, the way I uh, couch it in the book, too, is that this is not a book to read cover to cover. This is just a book to, like, pull out the things you need from it. And for some people, that'll be no alcohol recipes, low alcohol recipes, or just read through some of the technique aspects of it. All of it's available for whoever needs it and for whatever reason. Well, you, this book might dictate the course of this relationship. 
So no, no pressure or anything. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> because I mean, talk, well, I, I kind of joke, but really, but I mean, cocktails and food, it's so formative to, to human relationships, you know? Yeah, that's right. Well, the thing about it is that I have been lucky and privileged to be at so many, the start of so many people's relationships, right? And a lot of them have been positive, right? Because I ran a bar for a long time and people would get engaged there. People would like meet for the first time and then I would meet, then they would get engaged there. You know, there were, there were so many instances where someone would call me up and say, you know what, I met in your bar. Would you just, is there some like keepsake you can give us for what, like when it closed or whatever? And so uh, that was really awesome. Um, obviously, I've also been there at the forefront of so many train wreck uh, of relationships, right? I mean, I, I, I remember, you know, like so many instances where people are nervous and, and not sure, certain what to do. And um, I remember this one guy, man, um, he was sitting at the bar and you know, he was getting a little maybe saucier than he should. And, and the date was kind of getting annoyed, but mostly not for the drinking, but because he kept bringing up his ex. Oh, God. Right. Like from the get go. And this is their first date. I knew it because he came in early and he said, As I've been dating for a while. It's my first date. And I was like, don't worry. We'll take care of you. So she gets to go to the bathroom and I just go, shut up <laughs> about your ex fucking wife, man. You've got to stop because and he's like wait what I, i've been mentioning her i was like like four or five times and it's every time you mention her she turns her feet away from you she turns her body away from you the body language mm -hmm. is there she doesn't want to hear about it because it's first date not 10th date right like later on you gotta spill the beans in whatever way you know like you feel comfortable and your conscience dictates but like first date you don't have to mention your ex-wife <laughs> I, uh, my, my wife and I separated about six months ago and no need for like condolences. It's, it's a very amicable separation. I joke that we're going to put our, our divorce up against yeah. anybody else's, but yeah, that was, that was, that was one mistake that I'm proud to say that I haven't made too much in the dating scene. Now that I'm putting myself back out there, it feels obvious, but it is easy to fall into that trap too. Well, do you know how, uh, did yeah. you by chance find out like how that relationship turned out? Cause like if they got married, that guy should definitely mention you like in his wedding vows, you know? <laughs> no, totally tanked. Totally tanked. Oh totally no. Tanked because, because he kept going, even after he dropped the wife, there were lots of really dumb sort of references. And I, I think he just, he wasn't ready. You know, his heart wasn't ready. And so you could only do so much from the behind the bar. <laughs> Right. It, it was the right thing for him. I was like, after hearing everything that happened, I was like, you need to take some time, man. You need some time. Your heart's not healed. Take some time. Throughout your career, I mean, and you've had so much success. I mean, the Columbia Room, you know, one of the one of the most like renowned cocktail bars around. Have you embraced mm -hmm. that role? of being the bartender of like, uh, do, you, do you ever feel like you need to invoice people for your counseling services behind the bar? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing is that like the bartenders are such a, such a, um, you know, like cultural figure and maybe it's changing a little bit now, but for, you know, there are people who sought all kinds of advice from me on a range of things, whether it was romance or work, or, you know, cocktails, which is the easiest lift, you know, like whatever it was, people often sought advice from me. And I remember early in my career, before we had the Google machine, 
that people would ask me like to 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 answer questions that they had debates on mm-hmm. right so people would be like where was abraham lincoln born we've been having this debate i said springfield they said whatever and you know at first i would just go oh yeah it's springfield they go oh yeah and i had no idea i still have no idea if that's true <laughs> yeah but they know where you work they can come back <laughs> That's right. Well, I would just give them an answer because I could see they just needed an answer. But as I went on, I realized there was a great responsibility with that. So I bought this book called Shots Miscellany, S-C-H-O-T-T apostrophe S. And it was like answers to all of these random questions. Um, Like where, you know, like where was this or that president born? And so um, I started kind of like pulling that out during those debates, but uh, Google kind of undermined that whole thing, <laughs> right? Because now you don't, people can just look it up on their phone. They don't have to ask yeah. the bartender. Yeah, anymore. yeah. You know, a few years ago, as we get into the pandemic, let's talk about your journey a little bit. Uh, you know, we talk about the advi- we talk about the advice that we that that bartenders provide, observations, body language, like like you talked about. And what were you noticing in yourself and what was it like when you decided to make a change and, uh, and to address, I think what you would even describe as is that you had a problem with alcohol. Yeah, I had a problem with alcohol and, and, and I think that that became very clear, but what is kind of weird about that is it was not clear to me at mm-hmm. first. And I say it's weird because I'm going to describe some of this, uh, a scenario in which I was, you know, and and I'm very lucky because I didn't just bartend. I got to travel the world and taste these amazing spirits and cocktails and um, learn, go to cognac and champagne and, you know, go to different distilleries and wine, wineries and so forth. And so I really traveled a lot learning about spirits and alcohol. And I was a, um, a, a judge for spirits. So there was a competition that was a world spirits competition that I was invited to. And we would taste throughout the day, like a couple hundred spirits. Now we are expected to expectorate, which means to spit. Um, and we did for the most part, but there's a certain amount of alcohol that you absorb, absorb in your mouth walls or whatever the science is behind that. And so you actually end up getting just a little fuzzy toward the end of the day. But after I do that, I would go out and drink, mm-hmm. right? And then I would get up and do it again. So for three days of drinking hundreds of spirits and in the night drinking, I don't know, you know, 15, 10, 15 drinks, whatever, maybe more. (laughs) And then I would go to, then after that, I went to the Kentucky bourbon trail, right? Uh, So that means I went to different bourbon distilleries and I drank there too, Um, all the time drinking at night. And then finally, I ended up this another competition. It was a craft spirits competition. I was at one of the distilleries um, and I ended up in the bathroom, just like sweat pouring out of my pores, I guess. You know, I was like completely covered in sweat, like to the point where my shirt was soaked. Mm-hmm. I had to like, to, to put it in front of one of the dr- hand dryers to dry it. And I was in there for maybe about 10 minutes or so. And I felt hollow. I felt like I, I, I felt like death. Mm-hmm. And somebody knocked on the door. They're like, Hey, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I think I just ate something bad. Mm-hmm. But, and I, and I never, after that, I never even bothered to ask what happened. Yeah. But in retrospect, I looked at it and I realized it was my liver shutting uh-huh. down. I had drank so much during the course of just two weeks that 
I, my my liver was starting to give up on me and say like, it was overloaded. I was heating up. I was, you know, like, and and it was giving me this clear warning: you're drinking too much. But even then, I had no idea that I had a problem. It was so normalized within my industry, within the bar and restaurant industry, to drink a lot. It was not unusual to have sixty drinks in a week. Yeah, you know, or to, like I said, ten, twenty drinks in a night, and. That was so common that I didn't really think of it as a problem. Yeah. And so it, when I finally woke up and realized it was a problem, which is, you know, a story to itself, uh, I, it caught me off guard, but it shouldn't have. I mean, I should have realized, but I didn't. You're, you're high functioning, right? I mean, tell me about all the things that you were doing. Cause in my case, I was running marathons. I was the, the editor of a newspaper. Like you check all the boxes, yeah. right? You're probably skateboarding, playing chess. You're probably relatively present with your, with your kids. Right. I mean, tell me about, mm -hmm. tell me about like the, 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 the trapping of being a high functioning alcoholic. Right. Yeah. Well, I was at the top of my game. I mean, you know, I, I was winning awards for being the best bartender in the U.S. in 2015. In 2017, I won the Best American Cocktail Bar at the Spirited Awards uh, at Tales of the Cocktail. That was conveyed by people, uh, my, my peers, so it's especially meaningful for me. Um, and, you know, I was the Chief Spirits Advisor in the National Archives. And so, you know, all of those things were happening. Um, and I was supposed to be this, you know, figure that was talking about how great uh you know spirits and cocktails are and i want to take a pause and say i don't think they're not mm -hmm. right this is my issue this is what i came to this is my sobriety and it. i do it my own way and i don't think that anyone else should or shouldn't drink i actually really don't mm -hmm. care like in the sense that if they have a problem i want them to address it if they're not happy with the way that they are drinking i, I want them to take time to think about it but it's not, that's not what my sobriety is about. It's about telling other people how they should or shouldn't drink. But for me, it was a problem. And when I finally woke up to that, my whole life changed. Tell me about that. You said it's a story in and of itself. This is what, early in the pandemic? Well, this is before that. So, so essentially, I uh, was drinking and I did drugs too. You know, I, I, alcohol was my drug of choice in that sense, but you know, I dabbled as a lot of people in our industry do because it's just so rampant and available. Yeah. And so one night, um, a friend of mine had a, a bunch of uh, LSD or acid. And I don't recommend acid at night. It's a really <laughs> dumb thing, but, but I did it. Mm -hmm. I did it. And I did, I took one, I took two. Uh, I don't still this day, I have no idea how many I took because I just, was in that space where I wanted to obliterate my consciousness, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, uh, and it was right in the midst of a separation from my son's mom. And uh, it was, I was in a bad space. So, so I took it and then, you know, some 14 hours later, I was in a bathtub, you know, like pouring water, listening, blasting, like calming music, trying to calm myself because I, was at the end of the rope. I mean, mm -hmm. I can only describe it as soul scraping. I was there. I was in that place that people go to right before it's the end. And so I, I feel so grateful because I made a different choice. But I honestly have so many friends <laughs> who made the other choice and they're not here yeah. today. 
And so it was, um, it was an incredible moment. Um, it was a, like I said, soul scraping moment. And I ended up calling my, um, my son's mom who, um, you know, I said, and, and at the time we were separated. So I was, I was staying somewhere else, but I asked if I could come back and, and spend time with yeah. them. And, uh, to her credit, a wonderful person, she said, yeah. And so she, uh, so I, I came back and on the way back, I just started thinking about how alcohol had hit the red in my life. You know, there's so many great moments with alcohol, you know, winning all these awards, being able to serve people, share things with people, introduce people to wonderful and interesting products. But it was that moment where I realized it had gone from black to red and I was in a deficit and that uh, alcohol was no longer serving me in a way that was helping my life. And so it took a lot of, it took a lot of LSD to get <laughs> so I just want to stop real quick. And it's a little funny, like, but I just want to clarify, I do not by any means recommend that people do that because like i said it was a moment where i it could have gone all a different direction and so it i i, I think psychedelics can be a wonderful support for people mm -hmm. i mean you know bill w the founder of alcoholics anonymous was regularly took lsd mm -hmm. i think that it can be a support for somebody but only under therapeutic guidance yeah absolutely yeah guidance it's a, it has to be something that you seek professional help with otherwise i think it's gonna go it, it's too unpredictable yeah and so you know it worked for me but it could have gone the other yeah way. so what were next steps like you 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 go back you're you're living with with your ex from whom you're separated I, that... well that that didn't repair the relationship of course I, um, unfortunately or fortunately i mean you know i think the damage was done the the kind of person i was back then was not the kind of person i would want to be in a relationship with so i'm not doesn't it feel like a whole doesn't it feel like a whole lifetime ago like it's just like it doesn't feel like just a totally like separate person from your current self in many ways yeah, yeah. in many ways yeah but but i also don't want to divorce myself of the responsibility of the person right. i was right like i think that like um sometimes i just have to say i wasn't always really a good person then mm -hmm. i did a lot of things that i'm not i'm not i'm not happy with i've, I've made peace with and you know but i think that it it definitely led to a place where I had to make better decisions and I had to grow up and be a better person. Um, and so it was not a like direct path. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't like I took, I, I, I woke up in the morning and I was like better. And that was that. That's I mean, so weird. Usually that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> there was a lot of discussions. Um, some with my business partners, some with my friends and family and, I ended up going to an inpatient, or I'm sorry, outpatient. For some reason, I always get those wrong. <laughs> outpatient program uh -huh. that um, I, I was able to look at my mental health and substance use. Um, and I decided for me, after all of that, I ended up, you know, uh, going undergoing therapy and uh, doing therapeutic drugs, using therapeutic drugs. Um, and I ended up realizing I could drink a little bit of alcohol. That was okay for me. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a while and I'd have maybe one or two drinks a month. And 2019, and I'll, I'll admit it here in, in some other interviews, I've said New Year's, but my partner, Maria, who is a wonderful human being, partner in life and business, uh, has reminded me, 
No, that was actually on Christmas. Mm. <laughs> so it was actually on Christmas. You heard it here first for anyone who's read it. Oh, we got the exclusive here. This is the great. Exclusive, yeah. 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 And, we, and I didn't um, even have to Google it. Right, exactly. I, um, I drank a, a friend of mine. Uh, her father had passed away. and He was a wine collector. And we had become friends in the past. And she sent me a bottle of 1982 Lafitte Rochelle. That was like a, just a wonderful bottle of wine. I drank that with some Chinese t- carry out. I had, a, 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 you know, a glass or two and I said, okay, that's it. That's the end. I don't want to drink anymore, at least for now. And my partner, Maria Bastash, who is just, you know, so supportive. She, uh, she, you know, helped me realize, A, that that was a good path for me and supported that. But B also realized that this was not the end of my career, mm-hmm. right? Because imagine I have this like career where I am, you know, preaching, drink this great thing, that great thing. Um, and then I'm like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't drink it at all. Don't drink it all. <laughs> you know, like that's a weird kind of cliff to drop off. Right. And so I was really scared at first. What the hell am I going to do? And uh, to her credit, she really helped coach me through that and realized she's like, no, it's about options. You know, like you can give people these options for no and low alcohol cocktails. That's where you can be successful and help people. And uh, she was right. Yeah. And that's where I'm not. That's where I'm at now. Oh, it's amazing. You know, uh, referring back to that event where I had the where I had the opportunity to meet you. You know, some of these fantastic mixologists from around Milwaukee came out and created just some novel, just jaw-dropping stuff. And mm-hmm. what was it like for you? Do, do you remember the first cocktail or two that you came up with where you struck that alchemy and you were like, holy shit, I really have something here in this non-alcoholic cocktail that's, you know, knocking my socks off the same way that something I would have created with alcohol? Yeah. Um, first of all, it, you know, just without making cocktails, there's, there's such an array of really great non-alcoholic spirits, wines, and beers out there, which is kind of cool in itself. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that kind of and uh, kind of caught me, and I feel like I'm not sure if we talked about this then, but it was I tried athletic beer. Mm-hmm. Have you tried that mm-hmm. before? Did we talk? About yeah, that? the upside dawn. The upside dawn is out of mm-hmm. sight. I love it. Yeah, and so. That was like a real eye-opener to me. But even before that, when I was thinking about making, putting together cocktails, I had already intuitively knew how to make a great non-alcoholic cocktail, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how, kind of how to like, what was the theory of it, so to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, with a, not, with a cocktail with alcohol, it's easy to say like you, you build it like this and that's how you achieve balance with it, right? And you can base it off traditional cocktail recipes. With non-alcoholic, I had to think of it in a completely different way. So I started thinking of it in terms of the sensory characteristics or organoleptic characteristics of a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there is this weight, this texture that goes into it. There's this intensity of flavor that goes into it. There's a certain length that the alcohol takes up, keeps it from being too sweet, right? And then there's a um, the piquancy or the bite that you get when you take a shot of alcohol. That's, it, it kind of that, burns, that's right? the stuff that I would, I always feel like I'm chasing and it's hard to find is that piquancy. And I was so grateful to learn that word at the event from you. I, I've, I've totally <laughs> taken it with me. And now, now, awesome. now actually I was at the cheesecake factory the other night, my buddy's the manager of, of the restaurant. And I was like, with, he was asking uh-huh. me like, cause I was asking for non-alcohol cocktails. Like, well, what kind of flavor palette? I was like, I want something with that piquancy. 
and he looked at me, he looked at me like I was speaking <laughs> Greek and I was like, shit, I totally just like, I'll kick my coverage a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, in all fairness, because may not be the, the word that everybody knows, but, but yeah, it was, it was, it was like, I actually discovered that because I, this is kind of one of those rare instances. I went to sleep at night with a question in my head. How do you break down the sensory characteristics of a cocktail? I woke up and I had the answer. I jotted it down. And that was the basis of my book, Mindful Mixology, uh, a guide, to, a comprehensive guide to no and low alcohol cocktail. Mm -hmm. All right. So what is the code in there? Is it in the book? It is indeed. Yeah. And the bones of how to do it. So I talk about some of the ingredients into it. And I think it might surprise people because even though I was talking about these great non-alcoholic spirits, wines and beers, in some cases, the stuff that I use to make a great cocktail is just from a grocery store. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. There's a drink in there that I really like and somebody brought to my attention the other day because they said they made it and it was wonderful um, for them and their partner. And it really scratched the itch that they needed. They liked great sours, right? So like a sour would be a daiquiri or margarita. Those are all sours. Um, whiskey sour, obviously. And so I thought, okay, how are you going to make a great sour? Because I often talk about the fact that like when you don't drink alcohol, you just get lemonade or soda, you know? <laughs> and so I don't want to give somebody just lemonade, right. you know? So I had right. to make something more complex than that. Yeah. So here's what I did. I took the lemon <laughs> and lemonade, if you will. I put sugar and lemonade, but I was like, well, how do we build some of those sensory characteristics in it? So I took a spoon full of apple cider vinegar, which apple cider vinegar is a byproduct of alcohol that does not have alcohol right. in it. Mm -hmm. So it has some of the funky esters that you get out of alcohol, right? Um, then I took aquafaba, which is a fancy word for chickpea water. Okay. Right? So literally poked a hole in a can of chickpeas and poured out the chickpea, quote unquote, water. Um and then I took a salt tincture, which is just four parts water to one part salt. So I literally just shook that up and it, it becomes like a, a saline solution. I don't use the word saline solution because then people might start using their contact lenses. Right. Don't do that. That will cause a different kind of reaction than you want. Don't, okay. So don't take LSD with alcohol and don't take cocktail. Yeah. cocktail okay. Contact lens solution. Got it. I'm writing these down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, I'm all about safety. I'm all about safety first. <laughs> so I, uh, so salt tincture, aquafaba, apple cider vinegar, all of that led to this, you know, much more. Oh, and I used a ginger syrup. Sorry, not just simple syrup. I used a ginger mm. syrup. The ginger burns a little bit, right? So all of that built this very complex and interesting flavor profile. But honestly, the things that you know, like the amount of ingredients I use probably are like 49 cents yeah. worth of ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Derek, I got to pump the brakes here for just a second and say some words about some sponsors of 40,000 steps radio. I say it on the podcast a lot. Exercise is medicine. Well, my favorite pediatrician and running coach, Michelle Quirk, is helping countless people get healthy and realize their potential through her business, Mindful Marathon. Maybe you're looking to run a mile without stopping. Or maybe you want to train for a 5K or an ultra marathon. Maybe you're a former track star who hasn't laced them up in years. Michelle meets her clients where they are and she gets results. She does so by building individualized training plans. She'll be with you every step of the way with regular calls and support. Go to mindful-marathon.com and download Michelle's free workshop or her Couch to Confidence 4-Week Walk Plan. 
every runner starts from somewhere, even if that mile is zero. Michelle's going to meet you there, she's going to root for you, and Michelle's going to be there to celebrate with you at the finish line. So go to mindful-marathon.com and start your journey today. Folks, if you or someone you love might have an issue with drinking, drugs, mental illness, or anger management, it's time to get in touch with my friends at DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers here in Northern Illinois. It's time to set up an assessment. You've got nothing to lose. Depending on your situation, the assessment could be free. My friend Ron Parch and his team use their 25 years of experience to build an individualized treatment plan that's confidential and effective. They approach people in distress with respect, and I cannot stress enough how important that is to feel respected when you're going through something. DUI and Behavioral Health Counseling Centers has offices in Sycamore, Plano, and Crystal Lake. Check out DUISycamore.com or call 815-895-9000 and set up an evaluation today. Write this down, folks. Call 815-895-9000, visit DUISycamore.com, or you can email duibhs at gmail.com. And back to our conversation with Derek Brown. As as I checked out your your new uh your new enterprise, Positive Damage Inc., mm-hmm. and I started browsing mm-hmm. around, I found it like I I landed on this this point where you say wellness, uh, it's the idea that you matter. And as I dug yeah. as I dug further into the website, I read more about about exactly what what you intended by that. But the first place that my mind went when I read that was, you know, this the, the when I think about you matter, and I think about the sense of belonging. And mm-hmm. you're getting you were getting into something before about you know taking a summer hummer and just taking out the alcohol, or taking an existing cocktail, removing the alcohol, and saying voila, here's your non-alcoholic cocktail. Um, you were very diplomatic at the event and saying, if people want to call them mocktails and call, I fucking hate the word <laughs> mocktails. A, you've yeah, got, fair. you've got mock in the words. I'm already feeling like, mm-hmm. like I'm being ostracized, yep. but you know, it drives me crazy when I go into a place and I ask about a non-alcoholic beverage and they're like, Oh, I can, I can make a mojito without alcohol. I'm like, that sounds good. But I mean, I guess where are you with the word mocktails? Is is that in your regular vernacular? Oh, I don't use it. I mean, I don't like it at all. But I'm with you. But but I, I think I made peace in the sense that like there are people who use that terminology, and that's the terminology that, that they recognize. Right. So they're not trying to like belittle or, or you know <laughs> people who drink alcohol. But we have to have a cultural shift. You know, like that's part, that's really what Positive Damage Inc. is about, is creating a lever to, to, to change the way we think about no and low alcohol cocktails and the way we drink. So I want people to see them as just as sophisticated and delicious um, as cocktails with alcohol. I don't want them to see them as the stepchildren. I don't want them to put at the, ba- the kids' table, right, like all the way at the end of the menu, uh, there's Coca-Cola, there's lemonade, there's this afterthought I put together. Um, I want people to see them as delicious, um, adult, sophisticated drinks. And so in order to do that, I think it is useful 
to change the language about it. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Because like mocktails also have they they have this whole history behind them where people are just like, oh, that's sweet syrupy crap. No, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. You know, like because you said, a mo what is a mojito without rum in it? <laughs> it's like a lot. It just feels like a lot more sugar and lime. Yeah. It's limeade. Yeah. You know. Right. And so. I think it's like, cool, but no, that's not what I wanted. I want like a drink. And interesting enough, somebody, I forget. I wish I could remember the genius who told me this. And if they're listening at any point and they know they told me this, just email me and tell me because I will quote you from here to eternity. But they said, it is all about the stopping power of the drink, which means that when you taste it, instead of just gulping it back. Yeah you have to stop and think about it. And so I was like, oh, that's a genius statement. That's really, that's exactly what it is, right? Mm -hmm. That bitterness or the sourness or the piquancy and all these things kind of help to make it less gulpable and make it your brain light up with all this information. You know, one of the things that is, I think is cool about no alcohol cocktails and even this like growth in bars that uh, either serve no alcohol or serve no and low alcohol um, is that you, there's so many positive emotions we get from being out and being with other people um, and tasting delicious things that are complex and interesting, right? Mm -hmm. That have nothing to do with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you can go out and you can experience that and feel awesome mm -hmm. without the buzz, the hangover, and for some people, their life in ruin, you know? So, <laughs> so I think that like in that sense, um, creating spaces for people to be able to experience that complexity of the drink and the emotions associated with that, I think is, is really worthwhile. And that's what I wanted. It, it was pretty badass when I went to that event and I, I had with me a few of my friends. In fact, you, you, you guys shared a moment talking about run the jewels, which is pretty badass. Uh -huh. We just seen them at, yep. at Alpine. But these are folks who are, they have like a discerning palate and they, they like mm -hmm. my buddy, Bill, who was wearing that shirt, he, he, for a long time, he brewed his own craft beer. Like they were, they were doing like clones of like three Floyd stuff. And so, yep. so to have them there and to really have a good time and for us to all like gather around and discuss these cocktails, it was, it was really cool. So, I mean, I guess I'm blessed in that way that, you know, my friends are extremely supportive of my recovery. And so I'm able to like lure them into yep. there. It's almost like putting the cheese on the broccoli of being like, oh, the, the, you're actually really going to have a good time with this too. But let, let's play a game. Uh, let's sell some books. You want to sell some books? Um, I think the way, yeah, let's do it. I think the way that we're going to do that is I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some like categories of some of your go-to non-alcoholic cocktails. Like the holidays are coming sure. up, right? So I'm throwing a party yep. and I want to be able to serve a cocktail that, like you said, people aren't just going to be like putting them back. I, I This is going to be like a very small, intimate party, five or six people. Yeah. What is a cocktail that I can serve to people that is going to be a sipper for folks that they're going to want to really enjoy a drink, maybe like one or two throughout the course of the night that they're going to sip? Yeah. So one of my favorite things for that, especially starting at Thanksgiving, um, is a mold cider. Mold means spice, spice cider. Um, that is, I got a recipe from the early 20th century. It's called 12th night cider. Um, and it's awesome. Uh, it is, you get, uh, and I'll send it to you so you can post it. 
on the on the website or whatever. Or, um, it's basically you take an unfiltered cider, right? I got like a local one. I went to like the grocery store and they had like one from less than three hours away from here. That's local to me. Um, I got that. Um, and so I add to it mulling spices like cloves, cinnamon, ginger. I add a, a split of vanilla bean and add the the vanilla seeds from that. Mm-hmm. So the one I used is a singing dog. And the reason I mentioned them is because they also have a non-alcoholic vanilla extract. Mm. So sometimes when people have very strict, you know, um, kind of concerns about their sobriety and they don't want to have anything that has alcohol, that that's a great option, right? Because usually vanilla extract, even though it might not add a lot of alcohol to the thing that does have alcohol. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so they make one that doesn't have it. And, and so, so I like that. Um, and then, uh, I add to it, um, a, uh, a product called Kentucky 74, mm-hmm. which I used to work for them, but I don't anymore, but they're great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Spiritless, and it's like a bourbon alternative. That one does have 0.5% alcohol, but that's really small amount. That's an amount of a, they say, like a ripe banana or something And that's like that. that's the same that you'd find in a, in, a, in an athletic brewing beer, a lot of non-alcoholic beers. Exactly. That. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So so I add that to it. And also there's a, a part of it where you bake the apples with uh, some brown sugar, cider, um, and salt, and you kind of base the apples while you're breaking them, and then you add those back to the cider. Oh, I almost forgot. A, a whole lemon peel goes into the cider. That's really important because it keeps it from being too sweet, and also it like adds this great aromatic characteristic. So the Twelfth Night Cider, it's in my book. Um, in my book, I don't think I mentioned you can add the Kentucky Summer Four, but you can, and that works really great. How satisfying is that? Because I was going to ask you about a, a cocktail where you have to be willing to put in the work. And that feels mm-hmm. like one where you're going to have to be willing to put in the work, you know, because of the, the baking process and everything. Like, how satisfying is that when, when you hand somebody that drink and you see it hit, hit their lips and hit their palate and it is yep. a show style? Like, how cool is that? Oh, it's amazing. And I think that, like, everyone's going to say this is their favorite drink of the night even if they drink an alcohol, right? They're gonna drink everything and they're gonna say, this is the one. And what's cool about it too, is when the, the process of, of cooking it, it like fills the entire house with this great holiday aroma. Mm. So if you're not in spirit, it'll put you right there. That's cool. I unfortunately think that you just checked off like three of the categories on my list, but we're, <laughs> we're gonna play, keep playing the game anyway. Uh, let's, let's say that I'm throwing a, a bigger party. And so I wanna have options sure. for everybody. Um, and there, there's, I want to have a non-alcoholic beverage where people are going to be in the mindset that they're going to want to have a few. What, what, what is a non-alcoholic cocktail that like will be continuously refreshing throughout the night and continue to satisfy somebody if they have three, four or five? Ah, got it. And is this one that you would make individually or Hmm. batch or do you have... I would think that this would probably have to be a batch because I I don't want to be at the counter all night long. Yeah, fair. Okay. So, and do, will you accept uh, things that are already kind of created? Uh, like, uh, like a, like a pre, pre, prefab ingredients, do you mean? <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. Because I, because I'm wondering, like, once we we made a really complicated one, maybe you create something a little simpler. Yeah, that. Well, and that, I nice guess that, I guess yeah. that's where I'm going with the one is something simpler and something where people might have several of them. So it really is more of a more of a volume drink. Cool. All right. Good. I got it. So. Um, in my book, I think going to the pinch hitter is a good one, you know, because it does have like this little elements that you add to it, right? Um, but th- it's not hard to make. And it's really easy to be, let's call flexible in their measurements, right? So if you're not the type of person who measures everything right to the, to the you know, quarter of an ounce, um, if you go over or under, it doesn't really matter. So that one's a really good one. And you can shake it. Uh, and again, it's got lemon, uh, ginger syrup. And the ginger syrup you can buy. That's why I mentioned that. So ginger syrup, um, the Spiritless also makes a horse's kick ginger syrup. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Um, there's other, a couple other companies that make really great ginger syrup. So so you can get that, you order that, or you can make it yourself either way. Okay. Um, and then you get the apple cider vinegar, chickpea water, and the salt tincture. And that's those are all very simple ingredients. And if you don't even want to make the salt tincture, you can just put some salt in there and it'd be fine. <laughs> Um, and so the salt actually, funny enough, adds a little bit of texture to it. Mm-hmm. And it also cuts down the sweetness a little bit while keeping it, having a round flavor, if that makes sense. So, um, that's, I think salt tincture could be a really magical kind of ingredient to add to non-alcoholic cocktails. That so way. that's the, uh, pin, when I go into the index in your book, that's the pinch hitter you said is the name of that? The pinch hitter. Yeah. So that one's, I think really easy and um, it's just universally kind of uh, a cocktail that most people love. That's cool. All right. Now I need a, I need a placebo from you. And what I mean by this okay. is I've been out with some friends. They had a few too many, uh, that were not alcoholic <laughs> cocktails. The next morning we're out at brunch. And when I was in the thick of addiction, like, you know, as so many do, I would tie one on. And then the next morning it was the hair of the dog. It was a mimosa. It, uh-huh. it was, it was the bloody Mary that led to, to pints of beer. And then you're back on that roller coaster all over again. The next morning we're at brunch. What's a cocktail that, that one of my buddies could have that might satisfy some of that hair of the dog, but doesn't necessarily have alcohol in it. You got something for that? Yeah, yeah. So, and this one's a, a little more complicated because you might have, well, okay, I'll, I'll mention two of them, okay? Okay. One is called the Getaway, NA Getaway. It's in there, non-alcoholic Getaway. So I made a, that was my most famous, like, alcohol cocktail. It's called the Getaway. And it has, in the alcohol version, it has um, Chinar, C-Y-N-A-R, which is like an artichoke amaro. It has, um, uh, uh, blackstrap molasses rum, lemon, and a little bit of cane sugar. That's it. Mm. Um, I was able to create a doppelganger with no, no alcohol that tastes just the same. Mm. Um, and that one, the basis of it is Kinoto syrup, which is that C-H-I-N-O-T-T-O. There might be another N in there. But <laughs> it's an orange spiced syrup okay. uh, that works really well. It's kind of hard to find. You can make your own. As well, there's recipes online, um, but it is a really like, you know, if you look at that recipe, it it uh, it's really great, and it is a it, almost to the T replica of the getaway itself. It works great. Nobody's missing the alcohol. It's a little bitter. It's a little sweet. Um, some people t- say like it's like a very interesting maple syrup mm-hmm. flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does in fact have some maple syrup in there. So so that one I think is really good. Um, 
But I was going to say that for the lazier crowd, there's a drink in there called Other Famous Painters. I love the name. Now I can't wait to hear about it. (laughs) (laughs) So for that drink, like I was like, okay, look, the Bellini is a famous drink. And that's a one that works at brunch, works in the evening. It's just all around. But technically it was made with these white peaches during a very specific season in Washington, D.C., where I live the seasons like a month at best, right? Where white peaches are an ideal kind of sweetness and ripeness. So um, you, you might be tempted to go get like a um, white peach syrup somewhere if such a thing exists. I've actually never seen it, but I know it's out there. It probably won't taste the same, you know? So I was like, well, if I was going to put together like a bubbly, sparkly, delicious brunch drink, what would I do? And I said, I would add mango to it mm. for sure, mm-hmm. right? Um, so with the other famous painters, it's basically like a mimosa, mm-hmm. but it's with mango instead. Nice. That's awesome. I love that. So, so recommended, yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I have a nice list now, and, and so do the listeners. <laughs> uh, and hopefully they're all, you know googling or going to the website to positivedamageinc.com to order the book and they can also get it on what rizzoli and yeah. amazon other places where they can get mindful mixology yeah they can they can get it on rizzoli and amazon and, and rizzoli's great um amazon you know I, obviously i order tons of stuff from amazon but i i kick myself every time <laughs> i hate making yeah. people that wealthy that much wealthier but but it was probably cheaper on Amazon. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's going to be the tipping point that we're lining uh, that we're lining Jeff Bezos's pockets just a little bit more. Um, but, so, so I consider myself a teetotaler, and I'm going to ask you for one more mm-hmm. cocktail. Um, I consider sure. myself a teetotaler. It's interesting that you mentioned the vanilla extract and how some people actually have like a really more rigid line about how they are how they live sure. straight edge. Um, I also am willing to cook with white wine. So let's say, and I hope that your buddy at the bar who is struggling to not talk about his ex-wife, I hope he's found love. However, if he's not, and if he's listening, let's, let's, let's give something to guys like him and me who are still in the market. I am having somebody over for a date and I'm cooking pasta with a white, with a white wine Mm -hmm. sauce. What is the showstopper non-alcoholic cocktail that I can pair with that? That's going to get me that 10th date where I might finally be able to bring up my ex-wife. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. This is a lot, of, a lot to put on. They're it. layers. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that there's a very easy of all the cocktails this is probably the easiest one I'm going to mention, okay. but it, it's a showstopper in the sense that it's restraint is what makes it so delicious. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's called a champagne cocktail. Mm-hmm. And it is a classic cocktail, right? It goes all the way back to the 20th century or 19th century. Um, and it is made usually with champagne. You take a sugar cube that you douse in aromatic bitters, usually Angostura is what people would use. You cut a fresh lemon peel and you put it and then that's it. So it's almost like making it old fashioned with champagne, right? Mm-hmm. So what I, I would suggest is you get one of the bubblies that's Mm non-alcoholic, right? Mm -hmm. So there's these great sparkling non-alcoholic wines that exist. And the one that I recommend a lot and I think works really great is Thompson and Scott. Mm -hmm. They have one called Naughty, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm N-O-T-T-Y. 
U-G-H-T-Y. Okay. And naughty um, is, uh, you know, means what it means, and it means no as well, right? Not, not, uh, not which is a, you know, British way of saying something. I don't know, um, <laughs> as I'm not British, but um, I've heard that. So, so naughty uh, is just awesome. It tastes more to me, you know, somebody who used to drink champagne, like a grower champagne. Um, and it works really well. So you add the sugar cube, you douse it, and you can get non-alcoholic bitters, right? So uh, all the bitter, which is a company um, uh, out in California, a uh, couple, The Blessings, that's really their name. Um, they have created these non-alcoholic bitters, um, aromatic orange bitters, and what they call New Orleans bitters, which are uh, like Peychaud's bitters, if you've ever had those that are really awesome but have no alcohol so so you could do this champagne cocktail with all non-alcoholic ingredients and it's just it's a really tasty it's beautiful because the lemon spirals in the glass and you know you can see the bubbles coming up from the sugar cube and the dark cube in the bottom so it looks cool it tastes cool um it's universally loved drink and that kind of bubbly gets us in a different mood you know even yeah. if it's not alcohol it makes us feel a little bit more um ethereal if you will yeah and with it being so simple now i can focus on not fucking up the pasta too which is nice exactly yeah i had sp splash a little bit thompson scott you don't even have to have uh you know like the actual white wine that's awesome man this has been great uh you know one of the things i was worried about when I was looking at getting sober and in early sobriety, I was so worried about losing my edge. I was worried about not being as interesting of a person and not as fun of a person. I am like pleased to report that I actually, I find myself <laughs> significantly much more enjoyable to be around now. Um, how about for you when, you know, with, with this, with this brand that you've developed and the success that you've had, what, what has it been like to really, to just, to just continue doing great work um, mostly within the same realm, but kind of within a different niche. Like, uh, were you concerned about losing your edge, quote unquote? And what's it been like to find out that that wasn't necessarily the case? Yeah, no, I was really concerned. I was really concerned because I had learned how to do things one way. Uh -huh. And so to, to you know, making non-alcoholic classic or making classic cocktails start with alcohol um, is a discipline unto itself. And I liken it to like speaking Spanish versus non-alcoholic, which is like speaking Italian. There are lots of cognates, right? Like words that go between the two of them. But if you speak Spanish, it doesn't necessarily mean you speak Italian. Mm -hmm. So I had to relearn some things. I had to learn how to, um, you know, make up for things that were missing for the non-alcoholic cocktails that were in alcohol cocktails, because regardless of whether it's good or bad for us in our own position for it, alcohol is a magic molecule and it does stuff that other molecules don't. And so I think trying to make up for that can be a challenge if that's your goal, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't have to, you can just make lemonade and be happy. But if your goal is to make it like a cocktail. So at first that was incredibly daunting, even to me, somebody who has a lot of experience so what I didn't really realize is that it would reignite my passion for drinks in a way, mm -hmm. right? Because I now had a chance to relearn how to make drinks just without alcohol or with less alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so the result is that I've really dived into it and I love it. You know, like I, it's not to say that I learned everything about 
classic cocktails with alcohol. I did not, you know, and so there was still a lot to learn. But I learned so much that I, I, I kind of became a little complacent or not bored per se, but just like maybe I wasn't as thrilled about it. And so when I got to the point where I was making non-alcoholic cocktails, it like reignited that thrill. It made me go, okay, cool. I get to relearn this, which is really fun. Learning is something I love to yeah. do. It's one of my favorite um, favorite things to think and learn. And so um, that allowed me that opportunity, well, which is great. And Derek, you have a beautiful mind and now you have your full faculties to use that brain unencumbered by alcohol. And thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you for writing the book so that, you know, guys like me who are not mixologists can learn how to do some of this stuff. Like, like you are are one of these pioneers who is going to be paving the way for people to be able to keep their edge and keep that fun in their life while, 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 while actually being fully active in their life. So I really appreciate you coming on and I just appreciate you for all you do. Thank you. I really appreciate you too. Thank you for including me on this uh, podcast. It's great. Hell yeah. All right, man. If, if I don't talk to you, enjoy the holiday season and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. See you soon. All right, gang, this holiday season, now you've got some cocktails to make. Now you have an option to make for yourself and to other folks. Could you imagine if we actually all remembered the holidays this year? How cool would that be? So grateful to Derek for coming on the podcast. Like I've said a few times now for graciously sharing his story really drives home that we do not lose our edge when we get clean. We actually unlock our potential. I would appreciate it if you would share this episode with your friends, share with your enemies, blast it out there on social media. You never know who could use this stuff. And when you share it, when you give it a rating, when you give it a review, more people are going to hear it. So thank you in advance for doing that. Until we meet back here once again, folks, just remember if it feels like things are falling apart outside of this space, right here, we are always coming together. I hope you have a terrific Thanksgiving. I hope you take care of yourself and I hope you are excellent to each other. Talk to you soon. Peace. We out. Thank you.